0: There never seems to be a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Whether it's on the gridiron...
1: In the end zone, is a Minnesota touchdown.
0: ...on the court... Title
1: number four
0: for the Minnesota Leafs dynasty!
2: ...on the ice...
0: With a shot, he scores!
2: ...or on the diamond...
0: Safe at the plate, and the Twins have just scored twice! There's always something to chat about. Whatever people think about that and however they value that, let it be. If you're looking for fun, informal discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've found it right here. Presenting Minnesota Sports Chat. And now, your host, Ross Brendel.
3: Well, here we go with edition number 114 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat, award-winning... If only in my own mind, we will dub this the state leadership edition. More on that in just moments. But first, a reminder to please rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify if you have yet to do so. A huge thank you to Bob from the cornfields. His review, a buffet of entertaining conversations. Ross and his guests cover everything from deep diving into Minnesota sports to parking at Costco and favorite law and order episodes. It's like those conversations you enjoy with your old friends in the corner booth at your favorite diner. Enjoy. Wow, Bob from the Cornfields, that is a recent review from just a few days ago. Thank you so much. Your check is on the way for that very nice review. If you have rated and reviewed on Apple and Spotify, Thank you very much. If you have yet to do so, please, I encourage you to do so. And also, please tell your family and friends all about Minnesota Sports Chat. In fact, however you're listening, if you wouldn't mind copying the link and sending it to a friend or family member right now that you know enjoys sports, that would be awesome. Well, today's edition, it's a little different for me. I typically do a brand new edition every week. But I'll be honest. Pretty busy at work right now. Things are a little bit slower as well in the sports realm. Twins in the middle of their season. Vikings just had organized team activities. The Minnesota Wild are done. The Timberwolves are done. They did just hire their new Pobo. There's plenty that we'll get into as the summer goes on and plenty of baseball talk as well about the soon-to-be World Series champion, Minnesota Twins. But I thought I would use the time this week to do a little... Leadership Review. I guess that's what we'll call it. State leadership. Something along those lines. Been fortunate enough to talk with three governors of the great state of Minnesota. Minnesota's 38th governor, Jesse Ventura. Minnesota's 39th governor, Tim Pawlenty. And Minnesota's current governor and 41st governor, Governor Tim Walz. That covers three different parties. The Reform and Independent Parties, technically four. Jesse was independent or reformed, then independent. You also have Governor Tim Pawlenty of the Republican Party and the Democratic governor currently of the great state of Minnesota, Governor Tim Walls. It ended up being kind of indirectly that I had all those governors on this podcast. I started with Governor Jesse Ventura. As you all know, he has takes on everything. Wrestler, broadcaster, governor, started with him, and then it got me thinking, you know, if I'm going to have one, let's reach out to some of the others. They were all really fun conversations, and they all spoke to what it's like being a governor, working with the teams in town, Jesse Ventura, Polenti. They were a little bit more able to pull back the curtain because they aren't the current governor of Minnesota. So we're going to do bits and pieces of all of those interviews. We'll start with Governor Jesse Ventura. That is edition number 41 in this feed. So you can go back and listen to that entire interview, 41 in the Minnesota Sports Chat feed with Jesse Ventura. He starts with a story on Red McCombs, touches on his play-by-play partners in career, and how the Minnesota Vikings and Atlanta Falcons NFC Championship game and season for the Vikings still haunts him, and he has his own theory on just how the Vikings ended up losing that game. And it actually started way before kickoff between the Vikings and Falcons. But we start with Jesse Ventura telling a little story on Red McCombs.
2: I will tell you the the, the worst I ever had near the stadiums was Red McCombs.
3: Yeah, tell me about that because those, well, those were it pretty... Was just, it was just a case. I'm not going
2: to go into detail because a lot of it's private, you know, private conversation. I don't wish to get into that. But here's, here's my complaint on Red McCombs. You're getting a meeting with the governor to deal with the stadium, so a multi-millions-of-dollar stadium is, you know, what they're after here. Now, if you're going to meet with the governor, wouldn't you have all your ducks in a row? You'd wouldn't think you so. would you go into that meeting well-prepared? Because there's no guarantee you're going to get another one.
3: Yeah, you'd right. think so. You know, I prepared a bit for this interview. You'd like to think well, that... Well, you, you, uh, I would think so if I owned that team.
2: I would go... Red McCombs walked into my office, propped himself down in the chair opposite my desk, looked at me and said, Governor, I need a stadium.
3: And that, that's how the and meeting like, started? Like I'm supposed to go out
2: as governor of Minnesota and build Red a stadium. I looked at Red. I said, well, Red, you're... You know, you got money, you're private sector. I said, I'm sure there's landowners out there. Go out and buy some land and build one. I said, What do you need to talk
3: to me for? Do you remember his reply? Or did that pretty much end the meeting? It
2: kinda set him back a little. He humped and pumped a little and said, Well, I can't do it without state help. And I'll end the story right there. I won't go beyond, but let me just say it was the worst meeting I probably ever had with someone so well-prepared and with no plan of action, it was almost like he
3: expected me to do it for him. Do you still follow the teams at all or, or a little bit? Do you check I'm in? I them all. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm heartbroken
2: over the <laughs> Timberwolves.
3: That's where I was going to go with this.
2: because no, I'm heartbroken because they just are so snakebit. Every time there's light in the tunnel, somebody puts the cap over the tunnel.
3: Try and make sense of it for me, because uh, this is a true... Well, every time, okay, go, go back years. Yep.
2: You had the debacle with Joe Smith, where they signed him when they weren't supposed to, and then NBA took away three or four of their number one draft picks. I don't remember what it was. Charles Barkley told me every team in the league did that. Why did they single out the Wolves? Well, I figured they singled out the Wolves because they wanted Garnett out of here. They wanted him in a big market, you know. And the bad thing about, to me, the NBA is you now got the three superstars who decide where they're going to play, and they all pick big markets to where, which you can't blame them, but the small market teams in the NBA are going to be sucking wind, I think, pretty well. The only one right now that is showing me any signs is is Utah.
3: I kind of liken the NBA, and you touched on it. When you were talking, all I was thinking in my head was preach. You're preaching to the choir here. I kind of liken the current NBA to a Ponzi scheme. You know the four or six teams that are going to be in the mix at the end. Typically, at the beginning of the year, you know who the conference finals teams are going to be, so you know who the four teams are, but I'll even give you six. The other teams in the league just exist, so those powerhouse teams like you said, Governor, can go on the road and in non-COVID times put money in other owners' pockets, and then you have guys like me who want to cheer and support the Timberwolves, but I've become so apoplectic, apathy. I mean, you you remember this well. Governor, they've only won a playoff series. They won two, but they only won playoff series in one year, the same year, 30 years in existence. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's... How much? How much longer can you keep support? And I'm not telling people to not support the Timberwolves. I know people over there. I love people that work for that organization, but it gets tough. So it is good to know that. I don't want to say it's good to know that you're heartbroken, but it does put some good feels in my heart that you're still paying attention and you feel well, and you I feel watch that the bond Wolves
2: every night. I see them. You know why I quit going to games? COVID. Oh hell no! <laughs> I quit way before that. I quit because I got. I couldn't stand. They pat you down.
3: Okay. Yeah, on the way in the door. Excuse me.
2: I'm the 38th governor of the state of Minnesota. I'm going to play a little elitist here. I don't think I need to be patted down walking into a building. What about... I got tired of it because I was getting so... I was getting accustomed to being patted down. And I don't think in a free society you should ever start feeling comfortable being patted
3: down. This will be about as controversial as I get, Governor. I I don't think... I understand why teams do it. I really do. But I don't even think that metal detectors are making you any safer in or outside of the stadium.
2: I don't know if they are or aren't, but all I know is I got tired of it, and I just thought I'm not going to go... I'm not going to do it. That was one of the major reasons I've quit flying, is because I've got metal in my body, so... Every time i I go through, I get the full treatment and uh i'll I'll give you one final story okay i'm I'm probably the only the only person the only governor in the United States who went to the minneapolis St Paul airport where he was the current governor and got patted down. Did you hear that
3: so you're currently the governor, and they're patting you down
2: yeah, this happened way back after nine eleven I was traveling to California. I'm the governor of Minnesota. I'm traveling to California on business for the state. They didn't know when I would conclude my business, so they bought me a one-way ticket. Well, at that time, if you bought one-way tickets, you got yanked out of line. So I go out to the airport. They yank me out of line, and this kid's patting me down. And I looked at him, and I said, "Um, can I ask you a question? And he said, sure. I said, when does common sense enter into this? And he goes, well, what do you mean, sir? And I said, well, when's the last time a seated governor attempted to hijack a plane? And he had a great answer. He said, well, we can't make exceptions. And I said, fine. I said, let me ask you a second time. When does common sense enter into this? He goes, well, what now? I said, you see the two guys over there leaning against the wall? He said, yeah. I said, those are my bodyguards, and they're both armed with 9mm, and they're getting on the plane with me. I said, all I have to do is order them to give me their gun, and they have to do it. I'm their boss. they got to hand it to me. And I said, and you're patting me down. Now, to show you how ridiculous it was, I flew out to L.A., We conducted our business out there, and of course you got LA or California Highway Patrol with you out there. We conducted our business out there. I'm not even the governor of California, and when it came time for me to go home, CHP, California Highway Patrol, drove me onto the tarmac, over to the plane, and I went up a side entrance and was already seated on the plane when the passengers came on. Never went through anything because I was a governor. And yet, in my own home state, I get patted down at the airport.
3: Okay, but how about this, Governor? And, and <laughs> you, you can explain this better better to me, and, and I don't want to go over on time, so I want to finish with a few questions after this, if you can, if you're able. Yep, go um, ahead. Okay, so it's, it's all it's states' rights, correct? I mean, so obviously California was handling it different than the state of Minnesota. If you're the governor... No, who, I'm just who,
2: making... I'm not saying... I'm just making the comparison. Excuse me, I'm the governor here. I'm getting on the plane with two armed guards. Where's common sense?
3: Were were they able to get on the plane with their Sure (laughs) Of
2: course they are. They accompany me anywhere I go. And they when you're the governor, you have two armed bodyguards at all times. All times.
3: Let's do this. I got a couple of quick sports questions for you, and then I, and then I have a, a kind of deeper feel good question for you, if you don't mind, if you still have time. Okay. Uh, best, and this include this includes your work with with football, and this includes professional wrestling. Who's the best play by play guy you ever worked with or gal? Who who was either just the best at what they did or the best compliment to you? And I don't expect you to trash anybody, but was there just somebody who you Enjoyed working with.
2: Yeah, there's. Uh, I'll tell you who I meshed with t- tremendously, and he's still out there. And in fact, I heard his voice because he just won a Super Bowl. Gene Deckeroff. Yeah. The voice of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah. I did. I did two years of Tampa football in the early '90s with Gene Deckeroff, and I can't tell you there's not a better play-by-play man in the business not a better human being that I've met hardly and just a wonderful person. And I cherish the two years I had with Gene Deckeroff doing Bucks football down in Tampa, Florida.
3: And now, at least you can say, Jesse, at least one of the teams you worked with has won a Super Bowl. Well, that's their second. So you, you, you could have claimed <laughs> yeah, that anyways. The wrong one. <laughs> one day, though, right? I mean, maybe if you live to be 180 and I live to be 150, we'll get there, right? I'm not even
2: hoping for it. <laughs> I've, I've given up hope. Uh, if it happens, I'll just consider it a blessing. <laughs> But uh, I'm not going to sit and lose sleep over it anymore. I got tortured through four of them already <laughs> in uh, a couple of championships that we should have won, the one we should have won. You know the one that irks me the most today, though? What's that? Is the one that we uh, where we lost to Atlanta Yeah. When, when Anderson missed his only field goal of the year. Yeah. Well, that game wasn't lost there. That game was lost three or four years earlier. Oh, do tell. Oh, I'll tell.
3: Yeah, do tell.
2: Because three or four years earlier, we were picking number 10 or 11, I think, in the draft. And there was a player on the board who had fallen because he smoked pot. And he fell to us. He was right there. And we chose to pass on him. And had we taken him... I think we would have had an undefeated season that year, and I think we would have won the Super Bowl and been the greatest team in history.
3: Is that but Warren we Sapp? lost
2: on this guy, and his name was Warren Sapp.
3: Yeah, yep.
2: Now, can you imagine our 98 football team, the two tackles would have been Warren Sapp and John Randall?
3: In, in fairness, Jesse, to be fair to them, they learned their lesson a few years later with the drafting of Randy Moss. But to your point, they missed the first time around.
2: The point was, if we would have had Warren Sapp was sitting there, he fell because he got caught smoking pot. You know what I came out and said? I came out publicly and said, if smoking pot makes you play like him, put the whole team on it. (laughs) Well and Are you kidding me, this guy's a football player. Well
3: and, and and if
2: we no think of what if we lost only to Tampa that year.
3: Yep, and that's what we was playing well, for. If
2: Zapp would have been on our side, I don't think we'd have lost to them. I and then he would him and John Landler would have been our two tackles. Are you kidding me?
3: Who do you double team? So that was the first moment for me, Jesse, where my father, just like you, lived through the four Super Bowl losses. I vividly remember him on that day telling me, well, now you know what it's like to be a Vikings fan. And nothing's nothing's changed since. I want to play some audio for you. I want to ask you, I'm sorry you probably get too many of these, but I do want to ask you a quick wrestling question, but I want to play some audio. This is from you uh, roughly 10 years ago. I think it'll sound familiar to you.
2: And if you think it's so great that you're a billionaire, let me tell you something. The budget of the state of Minnesota was 32 billion a year. That's what I was in charge of, McMahon. So I can come here and I can run your little pipsqueak
3: operation here. I, I that was when you hosted Monday Night Raw, Governor. Well, no, that we were cross-promoted. That's it. Conspiracy I, theory, I have right? My, I had my
2: conspiracy theory show, and uh, McMahon agreed to cross-promote it on his show, which uh, you know has a great viewing audience. So. It was kind of uh, one hand washes the other.
3: Can you? So my, my question to you, I know you, you and Vince, I don't know how you, would, you can describe the relationship a thousand times better than I can, but I, I, fair to say it's been up and down. My question was, if you went into a restaurant now, which you're probably not doing, but you went into a restaurant now and you happened to get seated next to Vince McMahon unknowingly, what would your reaction be and what would his reaction be? No, well, we'd probably both be very surprised to see each other,
2: and uh it would be cordial okay i, I, I you know I bear nothing against Vince today. Uh, I didn't bear anything against him then I mean I took him to court and thrashed him, and uh I'm probably the only i I call it my wrestling retirement, you know, because I tried to unionize wrestling, and I almost got fired for it and uh but uh when I beat him in court he was he had to pay me and so i i used i get a check a check quarterly from the WWE even today and i call it my wrestling retirement
3: why is
2: Minnesota? Menace- i'm the only wrestler that has a retirement but to my yeah. knowledge
3: yeah no i mean unless you were saving your money all the way through yeah you you probably are the only one that that got one which is hence your point it probably would be nice for a lot of these guys if they could have some uh, Sort of union or a way to save for retirement. Although they're they're better paid now, Jesse. I don't want to get on my soapbox, but they're probably not as well compensated as they should be. One final wrestling question, then one feel good. Then I promise I'll let you go. The final wrestling question: What what has always made Minnesota such a hotbed for wrestling? A- and even even guys on the mic, I think Amin Jean Okerlund and all the wrestlers that have come through here. Why is this an area that just is a breeding ground for professional wrestlers.
2: Because it's it's because it's a breeding ground for wrestling. If you take a look in the amateur ranks of the NCAA and things like that, who are the greatest wrestling teams in the country?
3: Minnesota, Minnesota Iowa,
2: Iowa, Oklahoma, <laughs> Nebraska. You know, all through the Midwest, it's like I did. Okay, you know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is, don't you, yeah. the astrophysicist? Yes, sir. Well, Neil used to wrestle when he was young, out in New York as a young man, and Neil and I were talking and laughing about it, and he said, you know, and he said, well, you know, I used to wrestle. I said, yeah, you do? He goes, oh, yeah, I went to college in the in the Northeast and all that, and I, I did pretty well, he said. And then he looked at me and said, and I thought I was a good wrestler, he said, until I had to match up against them corn-fed boys from the Midwest. <laughs> and he said, I learned quick. I wasn't a very good wrestler. And so, you know, the Midwest has always been a mecca for wrestling. If you go look at the NCAA and for the down through the years, and look at all the, the all the great wrestling programs, pretty well are dominated by Midwestern teams. The people in the Midwest like wrestling.
3: Plenty of fun stuff right there from Governor Jesse Ventura, the 38th governor of the great state of Minnesota. Again, that entire interview, much, much more from Governor Ventura is available wherever you get Minnesota sports chat edition number 41. If you're listening on the Score North taxi squad feed, you're going to want to go search Minnesota sports chat and go back and you will find edition number 41 with Governor Jesse Ventura. Governor Tim Pawlenty, he also had a lot to say in his conversation with myself and Minnesota Sports Jet. Really fun catching up with him. He talks about the respect that all governors have for each other. They know what the duties of that job represents. He also touches on bets from time to time. You hear Minnesota Governor Bet. The Denver, or excuse me, I almost said the Denver governor. How about the Colorado governor? They bet on something because the Wild and Avalanche were playing in the playoffs. I asked him, how do those come up? All that and much more in my conversation with Governor Tim Pawlenty. That is available edition number 55 in the Minnesota sports chat feed.
1: Being governor, of course, is not like being president in terms of the magnitude of it or the size of it, or, but it's, there are some similarities to it. And the former governors, I think, have a unique understanding of what it's like to be governor, and I think there's some respect that goes with that, regardless of party or politics, because it, it is not an easy job, and especially to do it in a time where there's lots of challenge or controversy. And in my case, we had two wars going on, one in Iraq and Afghanistan. We had two big recessions, one near depression, and a big recession when I first got into office nationally, and then, of course, with the financial crisis of 2008 or so, and subsequent you know, near depression. Um, so those are challenging things and, and many others that came along as well. And having some understanding of what it's like to be in that chair or at that podium, being governor during a crisis. And generally you, you have respect for it. And I think the connectivity between current governors and former governors sort of depends on the personalities involved, a little bit of politics, I suppose. But I, I, uh, chat with governor Walz once in a while, governor Ventura once in a while, but it's usually, um, You know semi ceremonial it's not like we're advising each other on you know at a deep level because the politics and personalities are just so different i think it's more of a courtesy than it is uh, you know deep substance
3: so here is the transition into sports governor i I often tell people what i love about sports is there's a lot of politics in sports and what i love about politics is that there's a lot of sports you know they, they overlap right sports into politics politics into sports would would you say that that's a fair assessment that as far as when it comes to kind of forming alliances and, and teams and the competition aspect that there is some truth to that or am i sorely mistaken in that opinion
1: no i think you're you're spot on and of course politicians and others use sports metaphors for a reason they're understandable they're relatable and but to your point they're actually applicable and you know, some of the common dynamics are you got to form a team, you got to have a purpose and a mission, you got to inspire the team, you got to execute against a plan. And, uh, you know, you got to have victories if you're going to continue on uh, to make a difference in sports or politics. And, and a lot of the personalities are, you know, somewhat similar as well. I mean, politics sort of attracts extroverts, I think sports sort of attracts, certainly athletes, not all of them are extroverts, but certainly more charismatic personalities than maybe on average
3: walk me through what i always find interesting and it's it's been a little while but this'll this'll again happen at some point we always see it minnesota team is playing other team in a championship game or it's a playoff series and we always see these gubernatorial bets or sometimes it's bets between mayors how how does that happen? Can you spill the beans a little bit? Are you physically picking up the phone and calling governor of Colorado? Do you have aides working on that? Did you even care what the bet was? You know, do, no, I, I, I definitely got involved in that because okay. when you're governor, you know,
1: you go to these governor conferences and it's sort of like you get to know them all. And yeah. so there's, there's at least a loose familiarity, but in some cases, a, a friendship, a true friendship. So Scott Walker, for example, in Wisconsin and I were friends. And stayed in pretty close touch. And he used to, you can't see this because we're on audio only, but he used to stick out a closed fist at me. And it was empty, nothing on it. And he would say, you know, what is this? What does this represent? And I said, I don't know. What does it represent? He said, all the Vikings Super Bowl rings. No, no no rings. And uh, and his predecessor, Jim Doyle, and I had a bunch of bets. So we definitely, the ones I knew well, I personally would call or take their call. We taunt each other. And then we concoct some state, you know, symbolic event. So with, with Doyle, I won one bet with him. I can't remember what it was for, but you know, I made him send me Wisconsin. I was made it by Johnsonville bratwurst and a case of it along with some Wisconsin beer or something. And then we cooked him out on the Capitol steps. We got a grill and uh, cooked his sausage, and then took some pictures and sent taunting, you know, photos and messages back to him. I love so that. It's a lot of, a lot of fun and a good, you know, good photo op as as politicians always like.
3: Yeah. Well, and I love that stuff too, because again, you know, call me naive governor. I still think more can unite us than divide us. And it's funny how much sports can play a role in that. You know, you go, you go watch a wild playoff game at XL energy center. Does anybody ever sit down and ask what the person next to them's political affiliation is? Nobody cares about that. You're there to watch the game and have fun and cheer on the same team.
1: Great point. It's a great uniter in a a time where we need more of that. You know, there's um, this goes back a ways, but there was an author, I think his name was Mickey Kaus. He was center left, so I didn't share his politics, but he sort of made the point that we have so few opportunities for people of different backgrounds, socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, political views, all of the differences that get highlighted in our society and culture today that sports was and hopefully remains the one of the places where people of different walks of life can come together and not be, you know, sniping at each other and, and, uh, have a united purpose, which is to enjoy time with friends and family, hopefully cheer for a common goal, which is your team and the, and the victory. So it can be a social uniter. And of course, one of the concerns we have about that is the expense of all of it, you know, can, can people from different walks of life really afford to go to all many of these events and, I have that experience together. Hopefully that that access will remain. But uh, one quick other quick betting story I'll jump back to. So there was a governor of New York, uh, George Pataki, big tall guy, sort of a sports nut. And uh, fortunately he never enforced this bet, but there was the Yankees and the twins. And I should tell you something right away that I should never have taken the bet. But the, the bet was if I lost, I had to dress up in a Yankees uniform and ride the subway in a Yankees uniform from Manhattan out to their stadium, and then attend a Yankees game with him in a Yankees full game uniform, and uh, he he waived or relinquished his right to make me do it, but that was the bet.
3: Do you remember what he would have had to do in return? Do you remember what you proposed to him? I don't, but I'm I'm sure it was something equally diabolical.
1: Okay, <laughs> uh, I don't know what it was though. So.
3: Here, here's one for you. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad you brought up the twins, so keep twins in your mind. This is a little bit of a hint for you. All right. Do you have any idea what you were doing on this day 15 years ago? No. This is fortuitous timing, Governor. I just happened to be researching this a couple days ago and said, "I, I can't believe that this would happen. On this day 15 years ago in 2006, you were at the Metrodome signing the bill into law for the Twin Stadium. Awesome. Um, That's a great memory. Thank you. Yeah, great timing. And I can even give you one of your quotes. This is from the Star Tribune. You told the crowd, everybody's listened to enough speeches over the last 10 years. Let's sign this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's (laughs) awesome. And another small thing, not to cut you off. I was there that night randomly with my dad. I had no idea you were going to be there signing that into law. So it's, it's a great memory for me personally. Well, thank you for uh, bringing that up, Ross. And you know that for
1: those who are old enough to remember, the whole Twin Stadium thing was a saga. It went on for a decade or more and had many dramatic chapters and, and threats of the team leaving and various other high, you know, profile conflicts. And I was glad to get it done. And it was controversial because, obviously, being a Republican and a conservative, anytime you have the government involved in funding a stadium. Um, that brings up all kinds of backlash, especially from my party. So uh, we were able to do it in a way that sort of was a compromise. Hennepin County, the state didn't put money in. We just authorized Hennepin County to be able to levy a local tax de- if they wanted to. And so, which a lot of states just allow local jurisdictions to do anyhow. But um, so that was what happened. And, you know, having a twins in the Metrodome just sucked. I mean, it was a terrible experience. It wasn't outside, the stadium was obsolete almost at five years after it was built. It wasn't a pleasant experience going there for the fans. The team didn't like it from a revenue and experience standpoint. So we now have a great stadium, you know, it stands up against some of the best, maybe all the best in the country. So I'm proud of it.
3: How much do you think governor being sports minded and caring about the teams in this town and having a bit of a rooting interest, how much do you think that played in your decisions in trying to want to work with the teams fairly And get deals done when they made sense I know not every deal got done under your watch but some good groundwork was laid and as we just talked about the twin stadium got done how important was that to you and on the opposite side were there were there days where you saw these meetings pop up with x owner from x team and you just said well I really don't want to do this today
1: (laughs) well I had it it was very difficult because of the uh, but
3: look the the the
1: state is a great state but if you're Going to have professional sports teams in the modern age, you got to have modern stadiums. And so, as a leader, that's the reality. And as a leader, you got to find a way to get it done. And on my watch, we did the Viking, not the Viking, excuse me, the Twin Stadium and the Gopher Stadium and had a lot of discussions around a Viking stadium. And one of my funny memories about that I mean, it was the governor's residence. It's an old you know, house with a lot of chimneys and fireplaces in it. And so, Ziggy Wilf came to visit me about the Viking stadium. And, uh, he had, you know, been acclimated to Minnesota, but not fully, but he admitted later that he had worn long underwear, you know, pants, he had on like sort of ankle leg boots, winter coat and like a sweater. And, and I sat him down next to this blazing fire. I mean, just blazing fire. So you would be like you and I talking three feet across and then the fire was to our right. And we were a couple of feet from the fire and he had broken into like a flop sweat <laughs> 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 and we were, and we were negotiating and, uh. And at the end of the meeting, like, good, you know, I've been through a lot of tough negotiations in my life, but nobody's ever tried to like put me in a sweat lodge. (laughs) (laughs) But we we didn't get that done because that just got really complicated. The Vikings situation did. But I was I think it's important if you're going to be a governor or a leader to take on tough issues and Minnesota needs amenities that are modern and high quality, because if you're going to attract and keep talent to our state, people want the opportunity to be able to do stuff. And if you're a big employer um, and you want to be in an area where you got to attract talent and keep talent, um, you got to have the kind of community where people think it's a fun and interesting, dynamic place to live. And part of that is sports.
3: Yeah, and for myself, I've always said I want to accommodate the sports teams, but I don't want to be a hypocrite either. I want to also accommodate the arts and other things that are happening in and around Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the state. There's so much that we could get into, but I want to be respectful of your time. One thing, though, that I need to ask you is, how much are you paying attention currently to the teams in town? Again, because I know you're a fan, and as we were prepping to do this interview, I had told you, few months back, I talked to your predecessor, the 38th governor of the great state of Minnesota, and he blew me away with how much knowledge he had of present day NBA and WNBA. So he is, yeah. he's tuned in and I, I kind of get the sense. I know you're a big hockey guy. So as we record this, the wild are still in the playoffs. I, I imagine you're keeping tabs on that.
1: So in terms of my sports uh, attention, I pay close uh, attention to it, but particularly as it relates to the Vikings and the wild. And then I watch the Timberwolves and Twins episodically, depending on how they're doing. They draw me in when they're doing well, and I tune them out when they're not. And I don't want to say I'm giving up on the Wolves and the Twins, uh, but it's tough my question, right now. I, I dial it way, way, way down when they're in where they are. And, I mean, the Twins this year, a huge disappointment, and the Wolves, uh, you know, it's a disaster. So uh, it's going to have to be rebuilt. But as to the Vikings in the wild, I'm immersed in it. You know, I still spend all my time or most of my time in Minnesota, so it's not like I'm checked out.
3: If Dean Evason calls you up and says, Governor, we're short people. We need you to play tonight because I know you've played hockey. Are you – Suiting up as a center, a forward, a defenseman, or a goalie. What is Governor Tim Pawlenty suiting up as? And do you think you could survive even thirty seconds on the ice with NHL talent?
1: I uh, well, first of all, this is a fantasy scenario. Yes. Thank you for uh, for raising it. <laughs> and and of course, I would instantly accept at age sixty. <laughs> For all most of my sad uh, hockey life i've played defense but i love the game i've you know i've never been particularly great at it. i just love the game and I, and I tell people it's like being in a video game except you're in the game it moves so fast regardless of what your uh, pro- like problems or stressors are when you step onto that ice with 10 other people or nine other people um and the things are moving that quickly. And so much can happen, not only in terms of puck movement and positioning, but also you know, when I was younger, physical damage. You have to be totally immersed in the game. And it moves at, at a high speed. And so it's so fun and interesting strategically, tactically, physically, mentally. But you, there's no way you can be thinking about your job or the stress of some other part of your life when you're playing hockey because you have to have total concentration. And I love it. It's a fun game. But I would accept, I would play right defensemen, and they would cut me instantly as soon as I stepped on the ice after they saw my my lack of skill. I did have a chance to play on a number of these charity you know, yes. events with current or former wild players or current or former North Star players, and they're kind because you're governor, so they take it easy on you. But you know, hockey, the game doesn't lie to you. It doesn't lie to you as to your age. It doesn't lie to you as your speed. And you, if you have any acumen or self-awareness at all, as soon as you're on the ice with NHL hockey players and you're not you know it in a big hurry
3: from Minnesota's 39th governor and Governor Tim Pawlenty we go to the current governor of Minnesota Governor Tim Walls he touches on a thought that he has often what it would be like to help plan a parade a championship parade for one of the teams here in town and also he starts with what he learned from coaching high school sports in his time at Mankato West. Well, Governor, on this very podcast, I've been lucky enough to have some of your predecessors on Governors Jesse Ventura, Governors Tim Pawlenty. Both told Minnesota Sports Chat some really fun stories. They shared some insights, some knowledge about working with the teams in town, but their perspectives are a little bit different because they're more looking back and they're telling stories about some of the things that they went through and some of the things that they had to deal with. Your perspective, a bit different because you're currently in the big chair at the governor's mansion and on Capitol Hill. What's it like for you on, I don't know if it's a day-by-day basis, but what is it like for you working with the professional teams in this town and maybe even the universities around the state?
0: Yeah. You know, first, Ross, I think it is looking back to, of course, when I first got the job, you're always amazed that you you actually have it. But I think for me as a as a high school coach, um, those first few times were just in awe of, of, you know, oh my goodness. And, you know, kind of getting to see the behind the scenes of how this stuff works or talking to some of the, you know, the the management and the, 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 coaches and, and listening out, you know, curious as it, as a coach who I, I did this for 20 years and, and how they do it. I think now um, seeing them as partners and, you know, I just candidly philosophically believe sports is, is a huge part of our lives. I, I think it's not a cliche. It, uh, it does teach teamwork. It, it's the important part of humanity, you know, competition and those things, but seeing them as partners and, and in times of, you know, with, pretty obvious it's been a bit challenging with you know pandemic and some of those things to see these folks understand their role and how important they are to people and the impact that they can make and just to see that you know that that kind of social responsibility has been really great And I'm just really proud of how the teams have responded I'm I'm just it's it's what I would have expected and so it's kind of taken on a little different uh it's a little different relationship. At first, it was me just being in awe that I could go check out the, you know, talk to the players or something like that. And now it's like working together to, to do what we can do for Minnesota.
3: You mentioned your time as a high school football coach at Mankato West, I believe. What did working with high school athletes or not necessarily what, but how did they prepare you for a life in politics and eventually one day as the governor of Minnesota? What did that age group teach you?
0: Yeah, well, you you learn very early on um whether it's teaching or coaching at that that level you're you're not the smartest person in the room. Um you just might have some more experience. And I've always been a big believer, not a cliche that the things we do that are great, we do together. Um whether it be military or that uh, or or coaching, but I just think working for common goals together and and it really is about the things that really matter. Counting on the person next to you um, being accountable to yourself. Um, when you make a mistake, simply say it and own it and see if there's something you can do differently. And then, and then just finding joy in things together. Um, I, I had teams that we maybe weren't as successful, but I, I just remember moments with those teams. And then of course you, you reach the pinnacle and you, you win a state championship. Those are, those are moments that you always remember. But I, I just think it's that sense of, um, do your best you know, individually, again, not a cliche, but what you can accomplish together is is pretty amazing. And I uh I always enjoyed that. I liked seeing students and I, I participated and helped with everything. It was you know, I, I coached everything from football to basketball to track, but I also helped with speech and debate. I built the plays, um, built the proms. It it's about being part of your community, being engaged, give what you can give back. So I always found great joy when I would Get football players. I would talk them into going out for the musical or something like that, and then I would work on the plays and uh, those things. I think are are good life skills. Be involved in your community. Don't don't just sit on the sidelines. Be part of be part of what's going on around you.
3: I asked both Governor Ventura and Governor Politi this same question, so I want to ask it to you. I'm a firm believer that there's a lot of sports in politics and a lot of politics in sports. Is that a fair assessment in your mind?
0: I think a little bit, but I would give you this one, Ross, and and this is what, you know, I'm going to work hard to get it back together more. I always have viewed politics and and I still do. I just think it's harder to do now. I viewed it like I viewed when I was uh, I was defensive coordinator. I, I believe in defensive football. I think it's a beautiful thing to watch. I'd like to win games six to nothing. I had a brilliant offensive coordinator I worked with, who uh, insisted that every play be designed to score if you could, which I thought was ludicrous. I'm like that. That makes no sense. You know, when you are on a run clock and do all that. He and I fought like cats and dogs. Almost, you know fisticuff types of things. But we had the exact same goal of winning those games, bring our teams along as much as possible. We had a very different opinion on how to get there, and we had to compromise. I always viewed politics that way. I do not view Republicans as the enemy. I do not view that they're trying to do things just to irritate me or, or to get it wrong. And I assumed they thought the same about me. And, and I thought that there was that healthy dynamic that you know, not every game plan should be predicated on winning six to nothing. There is an opportunity where you need to do that. And, and those are things that I learned. So I, I don't think you're wrong, but I think what's been lost now is, is there's a little bit less of that sense of we're on the same team. We just have a different idea on how to get there. And it's more of now, you know, you're the other team. And and I never really viewed it that way. And so I have to continue to do better at that, continue to try and work folks in and to to be able to listen and say, you know, this is a different perspective. But, um, you know, those were healthy arguments. But we had the exact same goal. And and I wish people would start to view our politics a little bit more like that. I, I think that is a healthy thing. I think it makes for stronger teams. I think differences of opinion are good. But to lose sight of that we all agree that we're on the same team, that, that's what we need a little more of.
3: No, and Governor, I applaud you for doing this interview and making time for me. Because, again, I know you're very busy. But it's not lost on me the importance of having... Everybody represented once Governor Ventura agreed to come on and do the show. I wanted to make sure everybody from every party could be represented. And a part of that for me, Governor, I think I told this to Governor Pawlenty, but I'm not positive. You know, if I go to the Vikings game on Sunday and I sit down, I don't think I've ever once looked at the person next to me or said, what political party do you belong to? You know, when you go watch no. a game, that is where you're all in it together. You're there for the common bond of your team. So I really appreciate you kind of hammering that point home right there. Yeah, I do think it matters. And and
0: I think that could extend even to broader life. I, I got to be honest with you, Ross. I mean, I, I never imagined myself in elected office, even though I was 40 years old. I, when I was young, I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, my math limitations, you know, pulled me back. But I, I'm a good geographer. Um, with that being said, I I would identify myself as, you know, a, a husband, a dad, a football enthusiast, you know, things probably before I would identify my politics. And, and I know that when you're in elected office, that changes a little bit, but I just have to believe that there's a whole lot of folks that are just weary kind of of this. Why is this always a battle when it could be more of a common pull? And, and I think that's right. When you, when you're there, you feel like it's fun to root for a team. You're part of something bigger than yourself. I, you know, it's not my team. We're not getting paid to be Vikings. You know, we're not making the coaching decisions, but it's good to be there and try and support them any way you can. And that's the part that I think probably could equate over, you know, you're saying that there's, you know, there's sport in politics. I, you know, I don't, it isn't important for me to be right or to win. It, it's important that we get the right policies in place. And, and I think that's the way I approached it. There were times when, you know, my defense didn't what it was supposed to do. Um, and then that was on me to try and fix that. Or if I, I felt we were doing good. So I don't think they're cliches. I think we learn much from sports. I think it's humbling. You put yourself out there. Um, you know, that's what they say. There's, there's no hiding from it. You put yourself out there, you win or you lose. And, and politics is a little bit that way too.
3: I'm going to close with a few fun ones for you and then let you get back to your busy day. Have you, since you assumed office, have you ever stopped to think or do you allow yourself to think about the what if and the what if being maybe you're helping to plan a big parade for one of the teams in town that wins a championship? Yes. I think about that daily, how fun that would be.
0: (laughs) So, I, I think it would be great. And I, 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 have to tell you that the sense of uh, civic responsibility for all these teams is is simply stunning. Um, They've earned it. I do feel like we're a little snake bit. You know, I, for a while here over these last year and a half, I'm telling people not to stand too close to me if it looks like lightning because I'll get struck. Um, I think our teams feel a little bit like that, but you know what I really appreciate? Um, And this will be the first time this year. I'm going to, I think I'm going to attend on Sunday, uh, the Browns game and, It really look forward to it. I've got you know, I've got relatives and friends who are talking about going, and uh, the idea that we could bring you know that big game back to Minnesota it would just be incredible. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, who knows? Boy, I thought after the the New Orleans miracle that was going to be it, but maybe this year.
3: Yeah, I think you and pretty much the entire state of Minnesota there were (laughs) well there were probably there were probably two groups of people: the people that thought, "Oh, this is it." Or then there was (laughs) then there were the people like me, Governor, that are already a bit jaded and went, Ah, did we just use our miracle on a game that wasn't even to get to the Super Bowl? Yeah. That was that was that was unfortunately kind of where I landed. Okay, Governor Ventura was a professional wrestler. Governor Polenti, if he could, would have played in the NHL. Would you have played in the NFL if you were able to, or is there another sport that you really took a liking to that you would have loved to play professionally?
0: Yes, I wish I would have been better at it because I, I find great joy in it, but one look at me would tell you that was never going to happen. I would have liked to have run in the Olympics. I think watching the, uh, the distance events in the Olympics is something I still do. Um, I was a, I was an adequate high school football player, but, um, I always, I, I think it's those Olympic track athletes that I would just have given anything. That, that's the one to me. I think where there'd be great joy.
3: A big thanks to Governor Tim Walls for making time for Minnesota Sports Chat on what was a very busy day for him. And thanks to Governors Tim Pawlenty and Jesse Ventura for making time for Minnesota Sports Chat as well. Not a political pod. We tried to keep it to sports as much as possible because I thought they would offer just some great behind-the-scenes insight. I hope you enjoyed the conversations. I hope you enjoyed the parts of the conversations that I did share. And if you would like, please go back and listen to the entire interviews. They are fantastic, if I do say so myself. Edition number 41 for Jesse Ventura, edition number 55 for Tim Pawlenty, and edition number 71 for Governor Tim Walls. That will do it for this edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. I'm back again next week and also working on some real fun stuff for the summer hoping to be joined by a few musicians, maybe even a few actors and actresses as well. And, of course, we'll talk plenty of current Minnesota sports right here on Minnesota Sports Chat. I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again real soon, and please remember to rate and review kindly.